I'm on a mission to bring order into businesses, to, orga- to put organization and to put order and to put systems so businesses can grow and thrive. Over the course of my life and career, I've discovered the power of consciously investing in mindset and personal development. It has been a true game changer for me in my personal and professional life, and I'm extremely excited that you decided to join us today to take one step forward in your own life. Most of my breakthroughs have come from one-on-one conversations. We created this show to bring you those unfiltered conversations each and every week. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Greg Tomchik, your host of the Connected Mindset Live. We have an extremely fascinating guest with us today who we're gonna introduce here shortly. But before we do, today's episode is presented by Valor Cybersecurity. Many of you have heard my story. Back in 2016, I had a cyber attack and Valor Cybersecurity is the company that I wish I had to call when I was in the middle of that cyber attack. We ended up losing about $75,000. And it all goes back to not having the right processes and systems in place. And that's something we're gonna talk about today not specific to cybersecurity, but really to anyone listening in today's business and really life. You know, life is operating on a process basis, on a systems basis. Um, we have an expert with us today, Miss Adi Clavette, and really looking forward to diving in with you, Adi. Um, but before we do, I think it would be helpful for everybody in the audience just to hear a little bit about the mission you're on you know, to impact the people and the businesses that you come in contact with each and every day. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Greg, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, you and I recorded a podcast on my podcast about you and your story, and it, it, it turned out to be a fantastic episode. So I am very happy for us to have a conversation again. So to answer your question, the mission I'm on, is I'm on a mission to bring order into businesses, to to put organization and to put order and to put systems so businesses can grow and thrive. You know, we work with um, fast growing companies lacking consistency. And what we bring is that consistency, that order, that predictability. And we do that by creating, documenting and implementing processes and procedures. I love it. Yeah, it's, I mean, the episode could not, the title could not speak better to from chaos to clarity. I think a lot of us in business, whether we're just starting out, you know, whether we've got some traction or, you know, we're making, you know, seven figures in a business, there's a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of change. And I think we need order to create consistency. And we know consistency helps us accomplish our goals at the end of the day. Um, you know, what brought you into that world? Was it just the pain that you had from that lack of um, processes? Tell us a little bit about, you know, what got you into wanting to help people create that consistency? Sure. So, you know, I 
I love helping people. I mean, that's what motivates me. That's the biggest mission. That's the bigger mission. And then my background is I'm an industrial engineer. And I think that to answer your question is why did I decide to become an industrial engineer? You know, like um, many young people, when you start, when you look at what we are going to major in college, you don't really know, right? But I looked at what industrial engineering is, and it was basically a combination of understanding human behavior, understanding the mind together with sciences. And that seemed to me like it describes me because I'm very, I was very strong in science, you know, very good at math. Um, I had actually my own tutoring business where I tutored math and physics and chemistry. So science was really um, very dear to me and I was very good at it and still am. But I also was very good at communication and understanding people and meeting people where they're at. And that combination of being an engineer, but also being a person that a people person, you know, really appealed to me. So I studied industrial engineering and that's what I've been doing for my whole career life for almost 30 years now. So I really came from that background of process improvement, of understanding processes. I like to take complex things and make them simple. So that that is along the line of the processes. And then about 12 years ago, I decided to start my own company, which I did. And I was more of a general business consultant, um, implementing general systems or helping people with their businesses in general. And one of the things that I would tell my clients is that you need processes and procedures. You need training manuals. You know, you're onboarding people and you're repeating yourself, you know, so many times. We need to have some consistency. We need processes and procedures documented. So go ahead and go document your processes and procedures. And what I notice is that my clients just don't have the time or don't have the know-how or they are, it's not part of their, who they are. I mean, of course, a certain percentage, maybe 20% will do it themselves, but the other 80 will not. So then I asked them, well, what about if I get it done for you? Oh, yes, please. So that's where I started this business that specializes in this particular niche of extracting information, extracting knowledge, and documenting it. Yeah, it's so important. It's not just documented, I should say, also ensure that it is followed by all, because that's really a big, big part of what we do is we extract the information, we document it, but then we make sure that this, there are systems in place for everyone to get trained on those processes for having a really smooth onboarding process. I mean, I have it for myself in my own company. Like this morning, we onboarded two new team members and I was not even involved because I have processes in place and my office manager onboarded them, my office manager slash, slash HR onboarded them. And then they are doing, they're reading the processes, they're doing the assignments. And of course, we're going to provide hands-on training as well, but the process is so much easier smoother faster yeah yeah it sounds like you're definitely drinking the kool-aid which i think is very important um, to be able to show an example to people a lot of times you know service providers especially in our industry and in technology and security um, sometimes you find these companies not doing what they preach and it's it's refreshing to give people an example of your company doing what you're going out to the world and impacting with and providing that example for them to connect with. And that's, you know, one of the things that I know helps people resonate with what you're delivering um, at the end of the day. What do you think people struggle with most? Like what are the biggest struggles when it comes to 
you know, taking the knowledge you have and making sense of it all in order to be able to put it on paper into a process that can be followed? So, you know, there are different things. For instance, one of them that I hear a lot, because I asked that question, why are you not doing it yourself? It's, I hear time, you know, I don't have the time. For me, not having a time for something is a symptom of not making it important enough, not knowing how to do it so you never find a time because you find other excuses to do other things. Um, and it can be sometimes like a matter of priority, right? You really do not allocate the right time for it because it's better priority for you to meet with a new client or to um, you know deliver to a client or to go to a business conference or do business development activities. So it really depends on what you want to allocate your time for. So also no time is a symptom of lack of know-how. How do I organize my thoughts? Where do I start? How do I make it so other people will actually understand what I'm trying to do? I'm not a writer. I'm not a process person. I don't think sequentially, you know, so all those things. So I would say that if, you know, if you haven't done it so far, just delegate it to somebody else because it's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that delegation's a process in itself, right? It's it's a it's Absolutely. a mindset that we all need to understand what we're good at, what we're not good at, and finding a way to not just shove it away, but make sure it still gets accomplished, but you know, by the right expert. Um, I think that's that's critical in any area as you're running a business because there's so many things to spend your time on. What do you think are the first few processes for those listening in today? You know, maybe they've, you know, they're a couple years in business, you know, they don't have anything documented, but they have some success with, you know, the clients that they're serving. You know, what are those first two or three processes that you recommend putting on paper? So I would recommend for the listeners to ask themselves this question. What area of the company if you had well-documented processes and procedures will give you the biggest return on investment? That is the question. Now, return on investment doesn't necessarily have to be in terms of money. Yes, we all want to be more profitable and make more money and the bottom line is very, very important. But what leads you to that overall profitability? You know, maybe you're overworked, maybe you're working 60 hours a week and you would like to work 50 or 40. Maybe you are trying to take a vacation, but you can't. Maybe you have a, an employee that has been with you for so many years and you are really afraid. I mean, you're kind of like held hostage. What will happen if they leave tomorrow? What would you know what to do? Or what will happen if something happens to them? Then what? Maybe your dream is to open another um location another branch and how are you going to do that right so you have to really assess what what are the risks that you're facing what are your ambitions what do you really want to accomplish and then that will pinpoint the area so maybe you are right now running the business but you're also you're the estimator you're also doing sales then i would say that you have to figure out your sales process and start doing sales I mean, start documenting your sales so you can find somebody to pass it on to. Maybe you are doing some admin functions in your business that you really shouldn't be doing. So you should actually document those and get an, an executive assistant that can alleviate that pain. You know, maybe you have an employee that is overworked and they're really good, but the company grew. So now they're actually wearing multiple hats. 
okay, what hats should they be wearing and what hat, hats can you shed from them or even from yourself if it's you, that if you are that person, document those so you can give it to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's scary for a business owner to let go of every part of the company because that's what they're used to running. And I think, but that's what every every business owner has a hard time letting go of it but they want their company to outgrow them so that everything is not dependent on them. So they, it's kind of that battle that people are fighting. And I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, process documentation only when they want to franchise. But I think every business wants to multiply their impact, whether that's internal people or more customers. And I think the only way to do that is to have a scalable process that others can follow and that meet them in the middle, right? It's not just Greg or Addy, you know, describing it to them every single time a new person comes in and it may resonate with them, may not. So having that kind of flexibility, you know, through documentation where it's it's relatively black and white on what the steps are and implementing them. Absolutely. And, you know, it is black and white, but there is also um, the room for creativity, right? So let's say, for instance, you know, if we doc- we are documenting um, a marketing company, and that's what I hear a lot from creative people, right? They say, well, I don't want processes. Well, the most successful marketing companies, those that are expanded and sold for millions of dollars, you know, tens of millions, you know, they have processes. When you onboard a client, you have a process of onboarding that client, asking for, you know, the, the information, getting them to answer your questionnaire because how can you create if that process is not followed then you get into frustration and you don't get the information and then projects fall behind and you're not as effective so it's really a matter of making sure that you have a process and then within that process you have your ability to create and um, think and put things into place that based on your personality and creativity, but you have the framework and the boundaries of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I know on your show, we talked a little bit about technical debt and we kind of dove you know, into that term of debt that a lot of people are familiar with. I almost think about this as operational debt. The more times that you have to describe something and, and aren't documenting it, to create that value add over time, you know, you're going somewhat into debt, which I think is kind of an interesting concept for people to think about. Um, you know, what when you talk about industrial engineering, because I don't think many people meet industrial engineers um, frequently. You know, what do you think about when you hear the word industrial engineering in today's you know economy? You know, there are different aspects of what an industrial engineer can do. They can all the way from um, system analysis and data analysis and data, um, you know, basically data and it can be ergonomics or it can be like improving the process. You know, for me, like what I chose to do is to um, analyze processes, find efficiencies, make them more efficient, maybe make them consistent find innovative ways of how to make the process work better. And in today's world, it means also automation and integration with software and um, basically give clarity and give direction and 
it's like kind of like a compass or a GPS on how to get mm-hmm. from point A to point B every single time and achieve consistency. Yeah. Do you feel like companies that don't have documentation are kind of fighting against themselves continuously and just somewhat banging their head on on the wall? I would say so. You know, I, I'm looking at myself. I mean, how would I be able to ever onboard efficiently and wear all the hats that I'm wearing and but also delegate without having processes documented? It'll be impossible because there is tough turnover. Let's face it. I mean, you know, even if people love working for you, circumstances change. They are they move. They a life event, whatever happens. Right. But then if you have those well documented, then it's okay. I mean, it is a loss. It's too bad that that person doesn't work for me anymore. But let's find the next one and let's train them. Or if something is not being done according to your standards, instead of explaining to yourself over and over, refer to the process that you have written. But even take it a step further, if you don't have that process written, how would you ever explain somebody what your standards are? Or even if you tell them that verbally, well, does that count? I mean, you told them once, maybe they didn't remember, but if it's actually in writing, then there is no question about it. You go there and you look and you read and maybe maybe something is missing like even today you know we noticed my you know my chief of staff my office manager she um you know sent me a message saying you know this one is missing from the processes and this is what i'm going to add i said great because you know processes are changeable you know they're they're living document because things can change or technology can change or things can be missed but if you have the overall structure you can always add additional things and keep it alive absolutely yep i think one of the things we talk about frequently on the show is obviously mindset and i think one of the key things to mindset is you make your own standards or the world around you will make them for you Um, that's right and and it creates that like that friction because other people, your clients, maybe your internal folks are dictating their own standards of how your company operates, which creates a lot of inconsistency, a lot of confusion, a lot of friction when things don't go right. And then it's a blame game on, you know, you didn't do it right, but it's not documented. So you have no way to follow that consistency over and over again. Um, I think there's a myth around process and procedures, especially in cybersecurity, most companies say we're too small or we're too early on to protect our business or have a plan in place. Um, what would you say to those, you know, startup companies, you know, small businesses that are kind of starting to grow to kind of debunk that myth of, you know, we're too small to document things? Yeah, well, you know, it, it is a myth, but on the other hand, I, I tend to agree. I mean, you know, let me put it like that. When you're small and you're starting up, you know, you're developing your processes, okay? So I would suggest that they, you definitely observe others in the industry that have done that and then use six, uh, processes that have worked and adapt it to yourself and then adapt it according to how you want to adapt it. I would also say that when you start up, the most important thing for you is to actually make the concept work, make your company work. So you definitely want to have um, marketing, a strong marketing, um, basically a strong marketing plan that is getting executed because you need customers, you need clients, you need patients, whatever your industry is, whomever you are, that's what you need. 
once you have that established and you are building the processes, then you want to have that organizational memory, right? Because otherwise you don't remember what you did. I mean, I can see it like if there are things that I have to do myself and I haven't done it for a while, you know, then I have to remember how to do it. It's better to have that. If I had a, a short video or instructions, I don't then have to spend time recreating it, right? So as you are developing the processes and you find something that works, write it up or create a video of yourself doing it. So even if it's not super organized, at least you have something. But then as you grow and scale and you feel like you have a business that is ongoing and that you have, enough, you have I mean, maybe it's never enough, but you have a good volume of customers or clients and you are profitable, you're making revenue, then invest in actually spending time in writing those processes because then you're going to hire and you're going to have to give it to somebody else. Another advice I would I would say is like, let's say you are hiring your first employee and you have to teach them. All right, so record those sessions when you are actually teaching them so then they can take it, extract it and write instructions off of that. And then, or as you are teaching them things, tell them to actually know down what, exactly what you are teaching them and then make it into a process. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's something. At least it's there documented. And think about it. You know, when we hire people, they don't always work out. And we all have that experience. You can have the best interview in the world and use the best test. And, you know, three days into the job, you go like, okay, that, that person decided this is not for me. Or something happened or what, what not, right? I mean, there will be a lot of employees that will stick around, but some of them don't. So always train an employee as if though they're only there for the next week and you have to repeat it again the week after. If you take that approach, then you are going to document what how you are training. You're going to record it. So then the next one that comes on, you don't have to repeat yourself and spend another week with them because they will be able to read or watch the videos and then you cut your, your time maybe in a quarter or uh, to, to a quarter, basically to just spend 25% of the amount of time you spent earlier or half of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's very fascinating. And you, you touched on it earlier about the return on investment. I think a lot of people focus all of their time on sales and marketing, obviously for the you know, for the for the foreseeable future, but definitely in the beginning. And because they see that return on investment, as opposed to maybe nurturing their team or training people internally, because it's, but that's a delayed gratification. We all want that immediate, you know, immediate sale or that immediate um, benefit felt. Um, do you typically talk to your clients or prospects at a consistent number when it comes to return on investment? Like if you spend an hour on documenting a process, you save, you know, 10 hours of, um, of time in the future or something of that nature. Do you have any measures of that nature to give people that ROI feeling? Yeah, but I think it's individual from business to business because not all businesses are the same, you know, and we work with more mature businesses, I would say. Um, I, I always ask that question, like, you know, we try to figure out, like, what's the value of their time? Like, if you're spending time training an employee what is the value like what is the lost income so it's not just your time maybe you're not i mean of course you know as in let's say as the business owner you're not getting paid by the hour but maybe you have a high executive also not paying by the hour it doesn't matter but what is that hour worth like what is the potential of income that you could have gotten during that hour 
and you can't because you're working or what you're working, right? You are actually training or onboarding again or spending time explaining as opposed to being able to do it through a process. Mm -hmm. So that is a way of calculating the return on investment. Or for instance, I'll give you an example. If we start working with a business where they're actually losing customers because they can't service them fast enough, and that is the problem we are trying to solve, then how much each customer is worth to you? And what's your evaluation of how many customers you actually lost? So if we just calculate that, that can give you a really good return on investment because if we eliminate that, then here's your return on investment, the minimum return on investment, right? Another example can be that not just losing customers, but maybe you are maxed out and you cannot take on any more clients. If we actually document your processes and we improve your processes, and then all of a sudden you find the time to actually take on another four clients a month or four clients a week or four clients a day, whatever that number is for you, what is the monetary value of those clients that before you were not able to uh, bring on? So right there, there will be a return on investment. Love that. Yeah, that's... Uh... I think those questions are so insightful that a lot of business owners don't ask themselves, you know, and, and right. I hear it commonly is, you know, when you talk about, you know, somebody mowing your lawn or a, a cleaning company coming in and cleaning your house, you know, how much is an hour worth to you? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're making a hundred grand, maybe it's $75 an hour and you can pay somebody you know, $25 an hour to, you know, do X while you spend time on your business, for example, and trying to make those trade-offs from an economic value standpoint. Yeah, and it's not only, I would also challenge the, like let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're taking a certain salary, don't calculate the amount per hour according to that salary because calculate like how much can you actually produce for the business during that hour, right? Maybe that hour can be spent on a new initiative that that will bring tens of thousands of dollars to the business. So that hour is actually worth tens of thousands of dollars or challenge yourself to delegate those tasks that are not, you know, that you can delegate to somebody else and spend that hour doing something meaningful that can generate what you want to generate. And that something meaningful can be the new initiative, but it can also be, Maybe you want to go play golf during that time to just clean your mind and just do something else or go for a walk. Well, yeah, nobody's going to pay you during the, your walk, but maybe you'll come up with a bright idea. Maybe you will feel invigorated when you come back. You know, it's, there are different things that we can measure. You know, it's kind of like a MasterCard commercial, right? It's priceless. Mm -hmm. So you have those that you can actually put a dollar tag to it, but you also have those things that are priceless that we cannot put a dollar amount to it, but they help us generate the dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's priceless. And there, there are a lot of priceless things in business that aren't because it, a value is not attached to it. I call it dumb sum sometimes where we attach to these metrics that others have set. So we only do things that align with those end results as opposed to that priceless activity that could help you increase what you're going after by that refresh. Yeah. And what feeds you, you know, it's kind of like maybe you, you spend those two hours that somebody does something for you volunteering and helping others. And then you feel so fulfilled that you come back and you just like have tons of energy to do something else. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really 
it's really evaluating what's imp the importance is and how do we spend the time that we're spending and what are we getting out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, talking a little bit about business success consulting group. So you mm -hmm. went from being an expert, you know, kind of business coach, and it sounds like you've somewhat niched down to be kind of that process and systems expert because you saw the real need there. What did that process look like? You know, was that was it painful to try? You know, you were going out to the market and saying we can do everything, and then you found this need. I think a lot of people are trying to figure out where they should focus their efforts when it comes to who their ideal customer is, who the avatar is. You know, yeah. what did that process look like for you? You know, it's it's an ever evolving process, just like for every business, right? I mean, it's. I mean, I wish we can just write a business plan and that's it one time, but I definitely write business plans. You know, I follow my, I follow, you know, strat different strategies. I learn from others. It's constant improvement, constant learning, constant finding out, listening to my clients, what is it that they need and adjust to those needs, training my staff. You know, it's, there is a lot of things that um, go into play. I wouldn't call it painful. I can, we can call it maybe challenging maybe you know hard but if it's not hard it's not fun right if it's not like you know if you don't put effort into it if it's not not that it has to be hard and, and strenuous i mean but you know if it's not challenging then i don't know for me it's it kind of boring right yeah 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 it's funny you know i was doing i was doing a spin class this morning and the and the and the um you know the coach was uh you know the um yeah the basically the instructor was giving you know she was like giving us all these quotes from um, baseball, right? And I know you are a professional baseball player, but it's kind of like, you know, it's it's not it's not easy, right? I mean, playing a game and winning and training, but is it, I mean, it still can be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Wouldn't the fun agree? is in the pain. Yeah. The pain yeah. creates the fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be like pain where you cannot tolerate the pain, but it's, mm -hmm. you're feeling it, right? And then you're overcoming the obstacles of, the, of that pain, of that, endurance of that you know yeah it's hard work but it doesn't have to be um you know it doesn't have to be something that is a drudgery i mean you know otherwise don't do it that's my, that yeah. would be my advice right if you yeah. want to grow your business then take it on as a game like as a baseball game or whatever yeah. game you like you know and and figure out the maneuvers and figure out what you need to do and work together with the team and you know and do your part and get a coach you know that's very important right i mean you have to have a coach that will see the entire strategy and they keep you on the right path and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I call it the business athlete. We're all business athletes um, yeah. because we're, we're exercising our muscle. We're learning new things. We're in an ideal world getting stronger, you know, each and every day. Um, absolutely. And we're, we're trying to make things easier on ourselves, but then, you know, obviously obstacles are going to continue to come up. Um, one of the, one of the things I'm curious about you're, you're 12 years into your business. Um, you have that mindset of, of consistency and clarity, you know, where do you spend most of your time today in your business and how has that changed since, you know, starting the company 12 years ago? You know, I spend the time right now in growing our team. I spend the time in marketing because we are trying different, um, ways, different aspects. And I have, a I have a marketing coordinator and um, so I, I'm more spending my time in establishing my team and working with my team mm -hmm. and delegating. So that changed for me doing everything myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's, 
you know, it's, it's kind of the ups and downs, right? It's like, it's heavy needing your time and then it kind of evens out and then maybe it goes down a little bit because your team's really excelling in certain things, then you have to plug back in. So it's never a straight and narrow, um, as fine. all of us know, but, um, you know, finding the right people. Have you found any, obviously culture is huge, um, understanding your company values, you know, those people kind of plugging into that. Have you found any way of thinking about hiring those first few people to start to you know take those hats off and give to them um, that have worked for you in your hiring process you know it's really hiring you're right it's defining your culture really understanding what your mission is about what's important for you you know for me the qualities that are important is driven competent and intelligent communicator you know identifying that you will attract people that have the same core characteristics, right? Understanding your mission. You know, it's very clear for us that our mission is to help businesses grow and thrive by putting in organization and systems, you know, by bringing order into companies. This is what aligns all of us. This is what we do. Um, and identifying really what is the first position that you need to hire for. Like what will give you, if you are, if you are a solopreneur and you have all the hats, you wear all the hats, Okay, so ask yourself, what hat, if I delegated, will give me the biggest return or give me the biggest um, relief or the biggest time consume, like basically buy me the most time, whatever that is. Or, or for instance, for me, it was actually hiring a consultant, technical writer, because I knew that, you know, if I'm bringing on more clients, I can't service anymore. So I don't want to say no, you know, if it's the right client, I would definitely say no, that's not a problem to a client that is not um, our ideal client. But if it is an ideal client, then I want to onboard new ideal clients. So I always have to have resources to deliver. So that was for me the bottleneck because I was signing up more clients, but the delivery was not possible, just me. So that's where I would start hiring people that can deliver. But then you have to explain to them how they need to do what they need to do. And that's where you're creating the processes. And it might not be perfect at the beginning. With my first employee, I didn't have documented processes. I had somewhat, I knew what to do, but it was one of those. I mean, I had the same malady that I see with my clients. They were like, how am I ever going to do I just know how to do it. How am I ever going to document it? And I go, wait a second, listen to yourself. What would you tell a client to do? You can always document. So I start documenting and I start creating those processes. And now we have beautiful processes. So when we hire new technical writers or new consultants, they go through the training. But it's evolving. You know, it's not perfect. I learn from what I teach, you know. So I learn from my students all the time. So mm -hmm. because, you know, you always, you know, you can learn from the people that teach you, but you learn more from the people that you actually teach because you see then what's missing, you see the questions that they ask, you um, see it through their eyes and there are things, new things that you're looking at that you might not have looked before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the system we have in our company is, is learn one or watch one, lead one and then teach one. So they kind of are able to go through that iterative process of, I watched somebody do it, I hopefully documented it enough in order to lead it without that intervention and then teach somebody it as well. And it kind of yeah. creates that you know, different role because if we just are doing something and we don't have the, I call it conscious confidence to be able to know what we did in order to teach it to somebody else, which is huge in sports, but also in business. 
um, then it's hard to truly understand how other people in the outside world, you know, think about it. And that helps you learn. 100%. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. What, um, outside of outside of the business life, what do you like to do for fun to continue to keep yourself, you know, refreshed, engaged? Obviously, you said spin. Um, but what else kind of gets you, you know, alive outside of the, the business environment? You know, for me, it's really giving back to the community. So in every way that I can, you know, I find opportunities to volunteer help. I mean, helping others is really thing that I like to do. I love the outdoors. You know, I like to disconnect from work. You know, we're in front of a computer all the time. So, you know, instead of sitting down in front of a TV and watching a movie, I'd much rather be outside and do something. So if the weather doesn't allow, then I will exercise inside. But I love, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest beautiful area, you know, the Columbia River Gorge, you know, the um, Oregon coast, you know, it's like different places that I can go out and look out and, you know, climb, um, hike, and then look out and see this big space. I mean, that really invigorates me and it brings me a lot of energy, you know, spending time with positive people, with my family, with friends, you know, that that is something I love to do. And I love to learn. I learn all the time, you know. So when I go for walks, when I, I mean, I listen to my, my, I listen to podcasts all the time. I listen to, um, you know, to books, you know, it's just like learning and learning and learning because I want to know more and more and more and um, just improve myself. But yeah. I think really like disconnecting and doing something different. If I'm in front of the computer all the time, then I would go do something different. Right. I mean, I'm also into health food and how to improve. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, fitness and health, it's very important to me. So I always try to learn new things. I always try to improve in that area. I just love it. I mean, I love I love to feel full of energy, alive, feeling good, feeling healthy, and helping others do the same. I mean, I'm not one that will just go and give advice to people what to do if they don't ask me in terms of like their personal um, well-being in terms of their the health and whatnot. But if they ask me, I would love to help them. And, and I'm definitely good at that. Yeah, no, I love that. And it just shows how well-rounded you are and that you're a leader that continues to learn. And I think, you know, a lot of the best leaders are learners. Um, you know, on the personal side, because you have a depth of understanding around processes, you know, what do you think helps somebody be balanced on their you know, health and wellness, uh, that could be mental health or physical health. Obviously exercise is huge, you know, eating healthy. What are some of those, you know, biggest lessons you've learned when it comes to health food and kind of that making time for exercise that have, have helped you implement that process into your own life? You know, I think it's discipline. I'm, I'm very disciplined. And I think in order to be successful, you have to be disciplined. I mean, you probably will agree with it. In order to be a pro athlete, you have to be disciplined, right? You have Absolutely. to have enough sleep. You have to have the right food. You have to exercise. You have to train. You have to, even if you don't feel like it, you have to. So I I find it that, you know, just being disciplined, you know, not push, you know, I, I don't push the snooze button. Just get up and go to sleep on time so you get enough sleep so you can actually wake up in the morning and um, work out. You know, just force yourself. Yeah, you know, you can make that extra call or you can do this or you can do that, but force yourself to actually get up and go for a walk. 
but it doesn't have to be extreme. Even the little things, you know, drinking water, okay? So whatever your philosophy is on drinking water, if you need to, then either have a, a cup right here all the time and drink the water, take a break and go drink water, but discipline yourself. So when you are taking a break from what you're doing, don't go on your phone and go onto social media, you know, just like really have define for yourself what is your ideal routine and stick to it. And I think that's the key thing is also routine. And routine is not boring. I'm telling you, the most successful people have a routine. Wouldn't you agree, Greg? I mean, when you are like, you have to have a routine. Otherwise, it just becomes too random and then nothing gets accomplished. It doesn't mean that the routine cannot be broken here and there, but make a routine that is yours and that you enjoy it. So you wake up in the morning, what do you do? Okay, so if either you go work out or you journal or you, you know, you, you sit down and you look outside and you decide what the day is going to look like, you know, whatever it is, you know, you just have to have that routine that you follow. And that's the process, really, because here is my viewpoint is like, if you don't do that, you still have a process. It's just not a process that the process is running you. You're not running the process. Cause if you wake up and you start doing whatever you want to do, this is your process is do whatever you want to do. But then, you know, it's already, let's say you wake up at six and it's eight and you feel not that you didn't accomplish anything as opposed to setting yourself ahead of time saying, I'm going to accomplish that. I'm going to accomplish this and just accomplishing it and doing it. You'll feel like, wow, I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all creatures of habit. Um, and I think when we don't have those routines, it eventually creates instability, which right. can, can, you know, send us off a bad path or, you know, makes us not make good decisions, for example. And we need stability. And that all comes back to having that consistent routine that we know we enjoy obviously we can try new things and you know modify that just like a process um, but having that routine that we enjoy and that we can repeat help us have some sanity in such a you know confusing world with so much noise um, and i think that's critical for anybody whether they're in business or you know just in life in general i agree mm -hmm. i agree yeah i heard something recently and i think we all like rules we all like to refer different things in our life. And I heard something, it's the 10 4 2 rule. So 10, 10 hours before bed, no caffeine, uh, four hours before bed, and it's, it's all around good sleep. Four hours, no food, two hours before bed, no work, and then one hour before bed, um, no screen time. And then the zero is don't hit the snooze button. And you just mentioned that, like, if you have that routine where you have those reference points of what's going to help you get a good night's sleep where when, when, the, when the alarm goes off, you know, you're ready to get up, you're ready to execute upon the routine. And then by the end of the day, you feel accomplished. And that is a huge endorphin rush um, to keep that negative chemical out of your body. And obviously we're chemical beings where we're, you know, ups and downs through the, the chemicals in our body that we can, you know, enhance through eating well, having good routines, exercising, all of that healthy stuff we know we need to do, but our, it's, it's hard to continually repeat it uh, for a lot of people. So That's right. But there is the chemical part of the body, but there is also, your, as we talked about, the mindset and who you are and the yeah. things that define you and the, the things that make you going. So absolutely, mm -hmm. it's a combination. Yeah. So just kind of rounding things out, you know, what 
where would you say people should start the process? Obviously asking themselves, you know, what processes are going to create the best ROI for their business or their life? You know, what would you say is that, you know, second and third step that small, medium-sized companies should start taking, you know, and, and bring to companies like you um, to put themselves on a healthy path forward? Yeah, so you decide, I mean, you know, really the number one before you ask yourself where to start will be the mindset yeah. and really decide for yourself why you want to do that and why it's important for you. If Without it, this project is not going to go anywhere. So you have to have that mindset that you want to do it, that you're excited about doing it and that you see the benefit of doing it. So that's number one priority. Then you figure out where to start and then you just start. You allocate time whether it's two hours a week, an hour a week, you know, whatever it is, allocate a time to sit down. And, you know, obviously there is a whole, and I can give, I mean, I can uh, share with you the uh, link to my podcast where I created our proven pro process. So it's actually, it's a 45 minute where I walk you through how to actually accomplish the task of process documentation. So I know we have just a, a couple of minutes here. I'm not going to be able to go through that, but it's really a whole process of, um, deciding where to start, allocating the time, mapping that process that you decided what to do. So let's say we decided to document how we are making coffee in the morning. Okay, good. So then you document, you know, you basically take even sticky notes and you figure out like what are the different steps in order for us to, um, to do that. And then you start documenting one by one. You just start documenting whether you record a video, whether you, um, write the steps don't make don't don't be afraid it's not perfect it's fine just start somewhere right and then the process goes on so um yeah so those are the three steps i love that yeah it's incredibly impactful i just put in the chat for everybody yeah. um your company website as well as the podcast is there another place that they can find um that that process that you just walked through that i can paste in the chat here uh, yeah, so it's it's basically you go to my podcast and it's called the proven our proven process or okay. proven process our proven process how to write, um, you know. So if you go there, you will see it. You can also check LinkedIn. I have a lot of resources there. You can always also text us or call us at five zero three six six two two nine one one. We are here to, um, we'll answer you and we'll, we'll direct you to resources. We have a lot of free resources on our website that, um, yeah, that's right. So we have a lot of free resources on our website, anywhere from how to articles on how to make sure the processes are being followed by all to actually a few, a few weeks ago, we, um, I published a blog about how to write processes. Um, you know, we have a lot of information out there, so it's definitely, you can go to the website, look at the articles, look at the podcast, and I'm, I, I, you, you'll get a lot of information. Excellent. No, I love the accessibility and the education that you're providing to the world. It's, you know, a lot of people know they need processes, but they need to start, they need to start and get that engine, you know, rolling forward in order to, you know, understand how it's relevant to them, you know, why it's important. And then obviously, you know, consulting with folks like yourself to make it happen if, if they don't have the time to do it or the expertise, like you said, the know-how. Um, and I think a lot of us are, you know, experts at what we're experts at, but we're not experts at processes and systems. And, you know, that's why you and your team exist and are able to positively impact people. And 
make their life easier at the end of the day. I think that's what we all want to do. We want to save others time and money in their life so they can have more enjoyment, more fulfillment, more success, whatever word you put to it. Um, and, and that's a, you know, mindset that I, you know, I think everybody listening in today is adopting is, you know, you got to get started, um, but you have to lay the framework and do the right steps to get there um, to make sure it resonates with your, with yourself first and then your team going forward. So 100%. Yes. Excellent. Addie, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, we had a great conversation on your podcast. I'll paste that episode in here as well for folks to check out. Um, but a question we ask, you know, each person that joins us on the show is what is being connected, you know, mean to you and your life and your business? Well, being connected is really power for me. You know that I, I thrive on those connections. I count on those connections. I support my connections. I mean, we cannot have a business without connections. You know, it's connections with my clients, connections with our wonderful referral partners, connections with the community, with the employees. That's what being connected is, is that we're all connected. We do business with each other. We exchange ideas. We exchange, you know, referrals. It's it's whatever it is. It's like that connection is what makes us go. Absolutely. Yep. That's what we're all about here on the show. And it's been a pleasure sharing with you today. I know a lot of people are going to get a, a huge amount of impact on this for both their business and life. There's a lot of intersections of those two things in our in the way that we live. Um, and you really represent somebody that can help people gain that clarity um, and that consistency that we all need to live our best lives. So Addie, thanks so much for joining us and looking forward to continuing the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for having me.